I want to invite you to open up to John chapter 20 and we're going to take a look at uh, a little more of what the Lord was showing us this morning. As we, uh, as we gather together, one of the things that we want to be able to, to really lay hold to is what does the resurrection mean to me? I get the, the deal is sometimes, guys, sometimes people think about the resurrection of Jesus and a relationship with Christ the same way other people think about UFOs and life on other planets. Right? You know, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't really care. It really doesn't affect me. And maybe we haven't really put a lot of thought into what it is that, that God has provided for us. And we gather together, you know, all across the, the nation, churches everywhere on, on uh, Easter morning are packed and folks come together and they do their, their, their ritual service sometimes. But hopefully there's, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just punching a card and saying, you know, I did my, my part. As we've been working our way through the book of Romans, one of the things that, that God has been laying out for us in the first three chapters of the book of Romans, remember, is our brokenness. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we've been discussing the concept that sin is not about what I do to my brother or what my brother does to me. Sin is what I have done to the Lord. What I've done to my brother or what my brother has done to me may indeed be sinful, but what I have done, what I have chosen is to value something else more than Him, or to fear something else more than Him. And all of it is a belittling of the Creator's rightful place. All of it is a, is a dishonoring or a devaluing God. And so the Lord laid out for us in, in John chapter 3, He tells us that the world is... Condemned. In fact, Romans 1, 2, and 3, he tells us that the world is condemned, that Jesus Christ is going to judge, and that mankind is all broken. Now, surely you've noticed that. I mean, all i got to do is turn on the news, and I can find the brokenness of mankind. And in case I, I get to where I think the brokenness is only in other people, all I need is a, a 15 minutes of a bad day, and I can see the brokenness in me. Right? The, the same kind of of ugliness that I see out there, I know lives inside of my heart. But in John 3.16, the Lord tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. But he warned us, he told us what is condemning the world. The light has come, but men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Because that's the way we're bent. That's the way we're tweaked. So God, in his divine plan, in his love, in his desire to not see Heaven without us. I mean, you ever thought God who created all this could have just started over? He could have just said, you know what? Forget this. There. Let me start again. Let's try this again. Let there be light. But he didn't. The day he created man, he also decided to die for him. To connect with man, that man might have a relationship with him, that man might be able to come into a place with him. And one of the places that we see so many incredible parts of the plan come to fruition is in the resurrection, is on Easter morning. Jesus fulfilled the Passover, dying on the cross, a Passover time. Three days later was the festival of first fruits, the 17th of Nisan, three days after Passover. The 17th of Nisan, the first fruits that were brought in from the harvest were presented before God as a wave offering before Him. And so, we see Jesus fulfilling the the feast of first fruits. He rose. 
from the dead as the first fruits from the dead. The scripture laid out for us in Acts chapter 17 that God says a guarantee that God one day is going to judge the world. The guarantee that God has offered eternal salvation to those who will receive it is wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we, we look at the story, you know, when you've seen a story a lot, Christmas and Easter, we see the, the birth of, of Christ often, we see the, the death and resurrection of Christ often. Maybe we, sometimes I think we go so fast, we can begin to miss things. So in, in John chapter 20, we're going to pick it up in verse 19. And in, in one verse, I want to tell you about, you know how I can do this. <laughs> I want to tell you about three things that Jesus teaches us in one verse that we need to lay hold on. Don't worry, we're going past one verse. But there's three things. And and sometimes we read so fast, we're going to miss it. So let's not miss it. It says in John 20, 19. Then, the same day at evening. So it's, it's Easter day. Resurrection day. John and Peter raced down to the tomb, but the tomb was empty. Uh, Mary Magdalene had, had met with Christ. She had come back and told everyone she had seen him alive. The disciples weren't believing it. That same day at nighttime, it says that that evening on the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, literally the doors were locked. Doors were shut. The disciples were gathered for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now, I know that's not the end of the verse, but hang on just a sec. Three things right there that I think Jesus wants us to know. First thing that I see jumping out at me right there is that the doors were locked. I see that Jesus didn't knock. He didn't have to open the door. He just came in. He came in where nobody else could. You ever thought about that? That Jesus Christ can get in where nobody else can. Jesus Christ can get in where your counselor can't go. Jesus Christ can get in where your doctor can't go. Jesus Christ can get in where your lover can't go. Jesus Christ can get past all the barred doors. He can reach you. He can get to you anywhere, anytime. There is no place or no depths that you can hide where Jesus can't penetrate, where he's not able to come. One of the first things that I see the resurrection of the dead teaching us is that Jesus Christ can do what no one else can. And there's nobody else like him in all the universe. The doors were locked. The second thing we see is that the disciples were gathered together for fear. They were gathered together for fear. They were afraid. I mean, let's face it. Their leader had just been crucified as an enemy of Caesar. He'd been put in the ground and and now they don't know where his body is. There's only a couple of them that actually at this point believe that he has risen from the dead. They're gathered together for fear because now they took Jesus. Who's next? They're afraid. you ever been afraid? You know what I love about this part? Jesus came to his own when they were afraid. He didn't wait for them to get their act together. He didn't stand outside and say, Now when you guys kind of get used to this whole concept about fear not, then I'll come talk to you. The Bible says when the doors were locked and they were afraid... He came. He came. came to that place. And he came to that place for a purpose. See, Jesus Christ came to help them overcome their fear. Sometimes I think we get this view of of salvation. We get this view of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and we see it as though, I don't know, uh, 
man, I, I think we just get it twisted. Sometimes we think we've got to be squared away or more squared away. And we don't realize that, that Jesus Christ, his whole purpose is he's saying, he's shouting from heaven, you're broken. I get it. He's not shocked. You guys ever read Psalm 103? Every once in a while I read Psalm 103 just to remind myself of, of who I am in reality, you know, compared to the cosmos. All of creation. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Listen to this, verse 14. He knows our frame. We are dust. Remember God was there when he made us? So if we want to relate this around, let's bring it around full circle. If you were out in your garden and let's say you're just getting ready to till it and you look down and there's a big dirt clod, you pick it up. Do you expect a lot out of that dirt clod? You pick that dirt clod up and you say, now, I'm going to go in the house, but when I come out, I expect all this work to be done. And I'd surely like to have everything planted and irrigated and handled. If you'd handle that for me, Mr. Dirt Clod. I don't expect quite that much out of my dirt clods. Do you get what Jesus is saying? He says, look, I know who you are. I know the broken parts. I know the struggle with anger. I know the struggle with frustration. I know the struggle in the variety of different areas in every one of our lives. I know all those issues that are going on within you. I know them all. I get it. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to bring you down. I'm here to bring you up. Just bring me in. He'll come in. Isaiah 41.10. Listen to what Isaiah said. Fear not. The Lord declares. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. And I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I'll help you. He wants to help. He wants to come. He wants to be there. So the second thing I see in that very first verse, not only can he get anywhere and go anywhere, but he'll come anytime. Even if I'm struggling in something I should be overcoming. Even in the middle of my fear. Even when I can't quite get a grip on my desires and my wants, and I got all kind of things pulling me in other directions. Listen, the Lord is saying, let me come into the midst of you and... And help. Let me strengthen. How afraid do you think they were a couple of seconds after Jesus showed up? I bet they weren't very afraid no more. That's how quick God is able to purge us. The third thing we see in this verse, listen, it says right here in this verse, it tells us that Jesus came into the middle of them. He didn't stay somewhere on the outskirts, He's not some distant deity. Out so far out in the space that you cannot relate. He was in the midst. He came into the middle of them. Past the locked doors. He didn't play games with them. He didn't ask them to do more than they were capable of doing. He didn't toy with their faith. He just came. Boom. In the middle of a bunch of disciples who were struggling. Now, isn't that kind of like we are? Or are we all fixed with our, we don't struggle no more? Uh, if you're in a place where you don't struggle no more, this is probably not the right church. We have struggles. We have struggles. Listen, this is what the Lord wants for us today. He wants us to experience a real the reality of Jesus, the reality of a relationship where He's in the midst, where He comes regardless of the fact that I'm perfected or not. But even though I struggle in some areas, Jesus is there. He wants to elevate me. He wants to lift me up. He, he wants to take those who will humble themselves before the Lord and He wants to exalt them. Isn't that what the Word declares? Yes. And He'll get in anywhere. Anywhere. I remember when me and... And Kathy were first dating. I used to tell her, I don't know, you guys probably never did this, but I used to tell her, well, I'm going to try to open up, hon, but there are some places in me you just can't go. 
I'm so mysterious there. <laughs> I'm not sure I was all that mysterious there. <clears throat> the reality is I had some places in my life that were 100% pure knucklehead. And if you're honest, we don't let people see all that. Right? We don't like it. Nah, I'm not showing knucklehead. Uh, I'm going to try to remain silent as much as possible so that I don't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am not very bright. But you see, Jesus can come into all those places. And he comes for a purpose. And I want you guys to see the purpose that he comes for. Because it's so incredible as we look at this. He wants to come right here where we are. And this is our prayer. Our prayer today is that He can get past all your walls and all your defenses. That He can enter into your life even if you're struggling in fear or you're having issues with a variety of other sin. He wants to come and purge. He wants to come and cleanse. That He can come in right in the middle. Because that's what He wants. If He didn't want that, there's no way He would have sent His Son. What's the point of sending my Son? What's the point of the scourging and the beating and the crucifixion and the burial? What's the point of the resurrection? That's what Jesus Christ has come to do. That's what He wants to do in our life. So look, the next part, the very last part that we didn't read in verse 19. Jesus came and stood in their midst and He said to them, Gift number one, peace be with you. And when He said this, He showed them His hands in his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said again to them, Peace to you. Peace. Everything begins here. We're going to see three things in these next couple of verses that Jesus gives. One, he gives peace. Two, he gives power. Three, he gives us a purpose. But it all comes from the place of peace. See, so often we think that it comes from power or it comes from purpose. That's where we gain our peace. But the first thing he gave and that from which all else springs is the place of peace. He came to give us peace. Listen to how Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2. You want to flip over there, you're welcome to. Ephesians 2 verse 14. For he himself... Is our peace. Wow. Jesus Christ is our peace. Listen to what he did in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Who has made both one. And has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. He abolished the enmity. He abolished that which separates us from God. What is it that separates us from God? The list of ordinances. Okay, the Bible lays out for us. Everybody wants to focus on Ten Commandments. Let me help you. 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 197 commandments in the New Testament. But Jesus said all of these were fulfilled in this one thing. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if you love God, you don't do those other things. Man, this is the the law. What does the law tell me? Five seconds of studying the law tells me I break it. I'm a law breaker because I'm broken. I stumble. I lie. I cheat. There are struggles in my life day by day by day. I would love and still love to gain victory over those things. I'm a broken man who requires the power of Jesus Christ in my life to have peace between me and God. Jesus Christ covering me with His blood provides for me peace with God. That's what he's saying in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Look at 15. Having abolished in the flesh the enmity, the law, the commandments contained in ordinance. So he created in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Why? 
that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, the separation. Jesus Christ purges that which separates me from God, making peace with God. Now, here's the reality, guys. When we talked about it, when we looked at Romans, it says, when God looks down on me, just like the lid on the Ark of the Covenant covered the failures of mankind, the blood of Jesus Christ covers my failures. So when God looks down, positionally, He sees me righteous. Positionally, He sees me at peace with God. So I can have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. In reality, right below that lens is me. Here, still on earth, still a mess. Jesus Christ places that filter over me, if you will, that filter through which God sees me according to the Word of God as a just man made perfect. I am, according to the Word of God, saved now, being saved presently, and will be saved future. Three big words that cover those. I am justified, made now, currently, positionally, just as if I'd never sinned. I am sanctified, the process through which God is changing me from the inside out. And I will be glorified when I see Jesus face to face. That day, no more sin. Between here and there... I'm still broken. I'm just covered with the blood of Jesus. We are still broken, covered in the blood of Jesus. He has made peace. When Jesus came to those disciples and they're all afraid, He said, Peace I give you. What's the peace? He's not so worried about the peace of the Jews that might hunt Him, or the peace of Rome. He's saying, I have made peace between you and my dad. I made peace between you and the Father. Through which now you guys are going to enter into a relationship you can't even begin to to fathom. In fact, if you can picture this, just think about it. Jesus said to the disciples, it's actually good that I go away. Can you imagine that? How do you figure that? How many times you're walking around during the day and you're thinking about Jesus? Do you think, you know, it's actually good that Jesus isn't here right now? You feel that way? But that's what Jesus said. Why did he say that? Did he say something that wasn't true? He saw in the peace made between the Father and us, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, greater power and purpose for the rest of our lives than we can even begin to fathom or imagine. So he said, it's good for you. Man, your life, you are not going to believe that things are going to happen when I go to heaven and the Holy Spirit comes. You're not going to believe what's going to happen. Man, that's the peace. Is that the peace that we experience? That's the peace that Jesus came and gave. He gave us that peace. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. That's the sins we sin on purpose. That's what transgression means. A transgression is when you draw a line in the sand and you say to somebody, don't cross it, and they cross it. That's a transgression. Scripture says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Iniquity, that's just your basic your basic bargain basement sin. That's hard to say. You should try it. Iniquity. He's, he's, he's saved us from our iniquity. He was bruised for our iniquities, wounded for our transgression. Listen, the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. For our peace. What was our peace? It was a peace between us and God. The peace that opens up everything for us, that we can actually begin to experience the reality, the power of God in our lives, and the purpose of God moving through us. But it all starts at a place of peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have it. But that's what Jesus, that's the first thing he gives. Peace. The peace is accomplished when he died on the cross. Really, I see five things, five ways, five uh, examples of relationships through which Jesus brings peace. Look, peace between us and him, Jesus. Peace between us and him. 
He is standing there among them, offering them himself. How? As a friend and a helper, not as a judge. Peace. Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, is the judge of all the world. He will judge the quick and the dead. But we have peace with him now through the cross. We have peace with God the Father. So that God's justice and wrath is satisfied another way. It's satisfied by substituting the suffering of His Son for our penalty. Now the Father comes to us as a loving Heavenly Father. Who we can barge in at any time to His throne room. Isn't that what the Word says? That you might enter boldly before the throne of grace. When was the last time you were just sitting around and you thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go up to Washington, D.C. and barge in an Oval Office. I mean, I, I got a few things I'd like to say. You ever felt that way? How much greater is God Almighty than, than the President of the United States? Yet the Word of God declares He's made peace between us and the Father so that you can enter boldly into the throne of grace. You can pray. You can talk to God. In fact, Jesus said, you can call him Abba. That's not the name of a band from Europe. <laughs> How many of you got Dancing Queen floating through your head right now? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with you. It means, it's a very affectionate term for father, like daddy. Of the God of the universe. That's peace we have with God. We have peace between me and you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to be reconciled to God is also to be reconciled to all who are reconciled with God. So that means if I have peace with God and you have peace with God, then we have peace together. That's what the Word declares. In fact, in Galatians 3, it says, There is neither Jew or Greek, slave or free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one. That word for one is united in Jesus Christ. You have peace. Everyone in the body of Christ. We have peace with ourselves. Oh, that's a rough one. Check it out. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You ever have your conscience tell you how messed up you are? Or, you know, the guilt that we run around with? Well, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, can cleanse us from that conscience within us. That battles with us. He made peace with the inside of me. He made peace with himself, peace with God, peace with others within the body of Christ. And he made peace with my own conscience. And finally, he is going to make peace with the world. Listen, Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says this, It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things. How many things are all things? Because in the Greek, all. And that's that all means. Huh? You guys are good. He reconciled all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Listen, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So He's, he's going to make peace. He's, gonna, he's the answer man, to it all. One day at the return of the king, that will be the answer to it all. But until that time, we have a job to do, and we can recognize that job in the three gifts that he gave. And the first one is peace, right? We've been talking about peace. We looked at peace. The second thing that he mentions, I want you to see, is he gives them purpose. Look at what it says. Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. He gives purpose. A lot of times people run around in their life with Christ and they say, I wonder what God wants me to do. It's really not all that hard, to be honest. Uh, um, Sometimes we just want something else that God wants us to do. But in reality, we can know the purpose, the purpose that God has for us. 
But I'm going to come back to that concept. Before purpose, I want you to see the power he gives us too. Look at the power. He says, not only am I sending you, not only do I have purpose, but he also goes on to declare to us. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know why I get into these debates every once in a while, but every once in a while I get into these debates. When Jesus said, let there be light, what happened? There was light. Right? Now, when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, what do you think happened? Yeah, they received the Holy Spirit. They got saved right then. Just because that doesn't fit in everybody's theology does not make it untrue. We don't come to the Bible with a, 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 a theology first and then make the Bible fit our theology. Are you aware of that? We come to the Bible without a theology and we let it give us one. So Jesus said to him, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. When God breathed on Adam, what happened? He came to life, didn't he? Boom, he comes to life. When we come to the... To the, to the to the book of Ezekiel, to the Valley of Dry Bones. You guys know the story of the Valley of Dry Bones? All the, can these bones live? Prophesy over the bones. You guys remember? Remember how life comes into the bones? Prophesy the Spirit over them? The breath of God? Them bones lived. They lived. When God breathes on something, nobody goes, Wow. Uh, they might do that when I breathe on them, but they don't do that. When God breathes, look, throughout Scripture, when God breathes on someone, life happens. Man was broken and dead and had no spirit. But when Jesus rose from the dead, faith in Jesus Christ would make you born again. Your spirit comes to life. When Jesus said, receive you the Holy Spirit, they came to life. They got saved right then. But we know from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, there was more, wasn't there? Yeah, see, we don't, we we let the Bible give us our theology. What's Acts 1 8? Acts 1 8 is telling us what's going to happen 50 days later. Let's take a look. Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I want you to see that Jesus' purpose and his power for that purpose are intertwined. Okay? God never gives a purpose for which he does not supply the power to accomplish it. Think of all the stories in the Old Testament. You guys remember that place, Jericho? Big walls, you know. And Joshua had a plan, right? But God says to Joshua, here's the plan, brother, just walk around it. Now, I think it was the History Channel one time I was watching. They said they walked around it and somehow while they were walking around it was weakening the wall. Oh man, you have got to be on crack to watch some of that stuff. (laughs) You have got to. When they walked around, that's all they did. They just walked around. That's it. But on the seventh day, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was the seventh day, right? The seventh day, how much work were they supposed to do? None. But how much did he just tell them? He tells them to go around it seven times. He told them on the seventh day to go around it seven times. And on the seventh time, do what? Blow your trumpet and what will happen? Walls will come down. Did God give him a purpose? Yeah. Did he give him the power to complete the purpose? He did. Jesus at the resurrection, he comes in to where nobody else can get to. He comes in even though they're frail and imperfect. He comes in right into the middle of them. First, he gives them peace so that they can recognize that they can be secure in a relationship with God the Father. Because he has broken down the middle wall of separation. He has taken out the enmity, the the problem between me and and God. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, he covers me with his blood. Then he said, I have a purpose for you. i got to send you. 
Now that makes me kind of uptight. I don't know about you guys, but I get comfortable in, in life. But then he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. He empowers for the purpose. Acts 1.8 said, stay here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now I'm not going to go back and teach through Acts 1 and 2 again. For those of you who missed it, grab a tape. If you don't got a buck, just tell them Jackie said you can have it for free. Just take it and, and listen to it. But here's the purpose. Here's the concept. Here's the ideal when the Bible is talking about that, it's talking about the baptism, the empowerment, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to accomplish the ministry for which you've been called. You want to see those empowerments are laid out for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning pneumaticos, spirituals. Your Bible will say spiritual gifts, but you'll notice the word gift is in italics. That means it's not there. Spiritual manifestations, empowerments of the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 1.8 was all about. What do we see in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind, right? <clears throat> Tongues of fire over everybody's head. They're speaking in multiple languages. They go out and they begin through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what God asked them to do. Turn the world upside right. And in a few years... In a few years, brought before the council in Jerusalem, that's exactly what they said. These are the guys that are turning the world upside down. How were they doing it? They were empowered for the purpose. God gives peace, power, and a purpose for us to fulfill. Man, uh, He gives us, listen, I want you to consider it, the power that He gives you. gives you the power... To overcome addictions. He gives you the power to defeat your own selfishness. He gives you the power to love people that you struggle loving. He gives you the power to love Jesus above all. He gives you the power to fulfill the purpose. We don't got to work it up on our own. Romans chapter 5 tells the love of God is poured out in the hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit equips us to do what Jesus is calling us to do. Our purpose, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. So what did the Father, how did the Father send Jesus? Who did He send Him to? Only the, the people who take showers every day? Oh, well, there's a problem. None of those guys had showers back then. So I don't think that was a prerequisite at the time. To only to the upper crust of society? Nope, he did the upper crust. He did. He did the under crust too, didn't he? I don't know, is that the right word? Under crust? <laughs> Bottom crust? He did the crusties? <laughs> he, get, he, he came for us all. Listen, listen to what Jesus is saying here because it's so important. He's saying, "Take my peace and take my power and make the world right." What a love of Christ. Right now, everywhere we go or a lot of places we go, people are trying to legislate morality. Have you seen it? You notice that every time there's a shooting somewhere, that, that there's a new legislation for guns. Well, I've talked about it before, and I, I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me one way or another what they do. But listen, if all we had was rocks, people would kill each other with rocks. You get that, right? That we've done that before. You guys remember Cain and Abel? Cain didn't exactly have a forty-four Magnum. The Bible says he picked up a, a stone from the ground and killed his brother. We're broken. You can't legislate that into a man. It comes into a man through the relationship with Jesus Christ, by which He gives us peace between us and the Father. He restores that which was lost in Adam. He gives us purpose to go. Freely you have received, freely give. Go. And He gives us the power to do it. Right? Listen, 
As we close out, I just want you to to turn with me to Matthew 28. And we consider the, the mission that God has called us to. Take my peace. Take this power. Fulfill my purpose. That's the call I hear from Jesus Christ as I look at the scriptures in John chapter 20. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. So Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You guys all remember the Greek lesson we had a minute ago, right? All means all. So is there some authority he doesn't have? He said, All authority has been given me. All. The Bible tells that the Father has placed into the hands of the Son the right to judge. He is the judge of all the world. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So go therefore. Making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name. I would like you to see that. It says name, right? Not plural. It doesn't say names there, does it? It says singular, one name. But there's three behind it, in there? Baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, Jesus said, the things which I have commanded you. Commanded. You know how many? Jesus had 197 commandments. A lot of commandments. A lot of things for us to teach all throughout the New Testament. Teach them the things that I commanded you. But the greatest things that Jesus commanded us, the greatest thing that He laid out for us to fulfill all those other things is to learn to love God with all your heart. What is your greatest treasure? For Psalm 37.4 says that if you delight in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of the heart. That doesn't mean, okay, no, if I, get, if I can get to where I love God with all my heart, I can get a Harley again. That's not what it means. It means if I love God with all my heart, He'll put in my heart what's good for me. He'll give it to me. Man, that's so important. Teach Him the things that I have commanded you. And what did He say? And lo, I'll check in on you once in a while. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That means he's promising to be with you till time stops. He don't take a day off. He don't ever stop. Jesus came where no one else could go. In the midst of their brokenness, he showed up. He came right into the middle of them. He doesn't hide afar off. He's not afraid. He's not waiting for you to get better so that one day he'll come close to you. He's right in the midst. For as many as received him. To them gave you the power to be called the children of God. To as many as believed on his name. The peace. The power. The purpose. They all hinge on that concept. That concept of placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That word confess is homo legeo. It means to say the same thing that he said about himself. Doesn't mean you get to make a God in your own image. Doesn't mean you get to decide what Jesus is like. Doesn't mean I can watch a history channel and then change my theology to what they say. It means I come to the word of God. And I look at the word of God. And I say this. Is who he is. I confess the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God did what? Raise him from the dead. What day is this? It's resurrection day, man. This is a day we celebrate that it is a fact that Jesus Christ is risen. That's a fact, folks. You cannot argue the fact. I can produce more eyewitness accounts that saw him raised than you can produce that didn't. 
And by those eyewitness accounts, you have a choice to make. Right? You either receive him or you reject him. When we receive him, what's the offer? Peace, power, purpose. I reject him. You're free to go on as though things will get better on their own somehow. That's what Jesus Christ is offering. That's what Jesus Christ is laying out. That's what the Father's purposed in the coming of His Son. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what Easter is supposed to be all about. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you this morning, Lord Jesus, and we just, as we stand before you now, Lord God, we give you praise and thanks for what you have done. I thank you that you were never afraid or ashamed to come into my life wherever I was. To come beyond the shut doors. That you were never afraid or ashamed to come, though I had doubts and fears, you were there. And you came into the midst of me. All I need do is receive. I just ask, Lord, I believe what the Word says. I believe, God, that you are... God, the God-man born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. You died as my propitiation, the substitute for my sin. And through that, you have made peace between me and the Father. You said no man can come to the Father except by you. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I asked you to come into me. And no door kept you out. No sin scared you away. You came. And you've been working in my life ever since. I thank you for the peace that you have given me. Primarily between me and God the Father. I thank you for the peace that I have with you. And the peace that I have with others, Lord God. But Lord, to be made clean, to be made justified, to be, to have my failures covered that God forgives them. As far as the east is from the west, He casts my sin that far from me. He does not remember it anymore. Man, Lord, I thank You for Your peace. I thank You for the power, for as soon as I put my faith in You, the Holy Spirit took up residence. And still, day by day, moment by moment, as the need arises, Lord, you empower me by your Holy Spirit for the purpose you lay out before me. Whatever the purpose. But I know ultimately what your purpose is. To go to all the nations. To go to all the ethnos, to go to all the ethnic groups of the world, to go to anyone who does not know or has not heard, whether it's across the street or next door or in the line with me at Walmart. You called me to go and make disciples. Disciples are people who are following Jesus who have asked them what I asked Him, to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior, to cleanse me of my sin and failure, to set me free, to empower me, and to give me purpose. Lord, You call us to baptize, to immerse people totally, completely in water, which cries out to you that I am dead to this life, but alive to you. And then, Lord, you say, teach them everything I said. 
through your word, God, that they may grow and learn thereby that they may then go and make disciples. Your purpose is not hard and the will of God is not difficult to understand. That is it. That is our purpose. That is our plan. Lord Jesus, we thank you this day as we look to you. We thank you for the opportunity to stand before you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. And before, Father, we go into just a closing song, I just want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their supreme treasure, that He is your everything, your Lord and Savior. Man, I want to I wanna invite you to do that. I want to invite you to take some time and just go before the Lord and open your heart to Him. And let God do a perfect work in and through you. I want to let you know that I am here all day. And if you want to talk or you have questions, I'm your man. God, I pray that that nobody would walk away having heard the gospel, the good news of what you have accomplished. I pray, Lord, that they would take the step. That step that reaches out to you and receives all that you have. God, I pray that you be glorified in your church as she moves forward and becomes that which you're calling us to be. And Lord, we give you praise. And we remember, for you are everything. We ask your blessing and your anointing in this place. We pray for your special touch as people go from here. Lord, we ask that you will be glorified forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.